Yeah, we're going to be in First Corinthians thirteen one. Um, starting out. So today I want to talk to you again about something that we kind of hit on the last couple weeks. Um, last little while it's been kind of woven in there, but I want to talk about the human connection. How we're, we're created to connect with each other. And I want to look at something today that I believe is essential in connecting to other humans. Like if you don't have this one thing, you'll never connect on a deep level. You will never connect on an intimate level. Um, and we all want to connect. We're supposed to. We were created to connect with other people, to be in relationship. I believe that this may be the most important conversation that we will ever have. Because if you can't figure this out, then you'll never really believe. See, you'll never really have hope. You'll never really love or connect to the heart of God and or people. If you don't learn how to connect to each other, then this whole language of faith will become superficial and inadequate. You'll start to blame God because you think He didn't come through. But you never understood that the way or the context in which God comes through is how you connect to other humans. So what is it? It's an attribute, it's a virtue, this quality. Every human that connects on a deep level has this. Everyone. If it's missing, if you don't have it in your life, it may be the explanation for why you feel so alone or why you have such a hard time connecting to other people. What is it? It's trust. It seems simple. We talk about trust all the time. But it's so huge. And do we really trust? In church and I guess in preacher school. Just kidding, I didn't go to preacher school, but... In church, it seems like we talk a lot about how you need to trust God. You can trust God. God's trustworthy. We pull out all the scriptures. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. And acknowledge His ways. Lean not on your own understanding. I'm sorry, I started that verse in the middle. <laughs> but we talk about how you can trust God. And you can. Because He's trustworthy. And you should trust God because He's trustworthy. But we don't talk too much about trusting people. Why? Because people are idiots. No, people hurt you. <laughs> people will let you down. People are untrustworthy. People will abuse you. People will misuse your trust. People will... Yeah. We've all probably been hurt in one way or another by trusting someone. 
People will hurt you. People will let you down. But here's the problem. If you don't trust people, and all people are created in God's image, and we're His hands and feet and His expression to the world, then eventually, or ultimately, you won't trust God. See, you can't just trust God and not trust people. And there are a lot of people that think they can. I trust God, I just don't trust people. It's the whole conversation of, I love Jesus, me and God are good, but I don't like church. I can't get along with people. I don't like preachers. I don't think that you are fully trusting God if you can't trust people. Because you have a need to control every situation. You have a need to control whether you get hurt or not. You have, you're not trusting God if you can't trust people. If you can't trust God and or people, then you have some serious mental battles ahead. Because without trust, how do you have hope for the future? You don't. If you got no trust in God or people, how do you, how do you have a hope for something good in the future? See, to have real hope, you have to have trust. Without trust, how can you have faith? You can't. That's what faith is, is trust. Trust, belief, is to rely on, to believe in, to trust in something. You can't have, you can't live a life of faith without trust. Can't happen. You can't step out on faith without trusting. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. What is love without trust? It's broken. Love without trust. You see, if you really learn to trust God, then it will transform the way that you trust people. If you really trust God, it'll change the way you trust people. People you come in contact with, people in your family, your spouse, people, everyone in your world. I promise it'll change. See, the body of Christ, a lot of times we get caught up on signs and wonders and miracles and spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues and prophecies and all the cool magic tricks like all the cool things but all throughout scripture and Jesus's whole entire life and and all we have about Paul's life and Paul's teachings to the church and stuff makes it clear that all of that stuff is great and powerful and it's wonderful, but it's all secondary to the power of love. Faith, hope, and love and the human connection that we have to connect. 
Paul says, yeah, it's all awesome. There's great things and tongues and gifts of the Spirit and all these things. Yeah, they're wonderful. I'm paraphrasing. But none of it compares to faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But if you truly love, you must trust. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1. This is a familiar scripture. It's where Paul's explaining to us, and he's talking about kind of what I'm talking about here. And then he explains love, what love does. What does love look like? If I want to see love, I want to look at love. I want to know what love looks like. 13, 1, I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps. But I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake and be burned as a martyr he's saying if I give the ultimate sacrifice of my life but I don't love I've gotten nowhere so no matter what I say what I believe and what I do I'm bankrupt without love why because if people can't look at you and see love they can't see God because when love becomes invisible, God becomes invisible. Our God is love. So if people can't look at your life and see love, then they can't look at your life and see God. Look what Paul said love does. This is what love looks like. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep the score of the sins of others. If you don't keep the score of the sins of others, it's a whole lot easier to trust them. Trust me. But don't trust somebody that has to say, trust me. Except for me. Trust me. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Always? Mm-hmm. It always looks for the best. You know what trust is? Trust is me believing in your future. Or the future that you can have. If I trust you, that's me believing in your future. That's me believing that even if you've messed up in the past, even if you've hurt me, even if you've burned me, that I'm believing that you're going to do it better. 
in the future. If I trust you to do a job or a task or to take over something or take part of my burden, there are a lot of different ways that I can trust somebody. But it's me believing that you're going to do the right thing. It's me believing that you're going to do what I expect you to do. It's me believing in you. Have you earned it or not? Trust is the decision that I can choose to give. Some people want you to earn trust. Most people want you to earn trust. Like you're going to prove yourself and you're going to earn it. And, and one day, if you do enough, you follow the steps and you make me happy enough and you earn trust, then I will give you my trust when you've earned it. But if we look at Scripture and we look at the Bible and we find out what real trust is, trust is me trusting you before you've earned it. God trusts us and we didn't earn it. God, now I'm trying to... I'm, I got a lot of stuff that I wanted to say and I keep getting ahead of myself. So let me, let me get back to my notes. Trust is me saying I believe in you. Simple. I trust you to do something. It's me saying I believe in you. And I'm trusting you to do this. And we prayed about it and we felt like God was saying it and stuff. And But when... Like when we set Nathan and Rita in as the new children's pastor, that's us saying, we trust you. We believe in you. That you're going to do this. I believe in you. I got, um, I got called a couple weeks ago and asked to, uh, there, to speak at this youth conference coming up in February. It's called Breakthrough Conference. And he said, yeah, I just, I believe that, that you've got the word to bring. You're going to bring the word on Saturday night for the conference and uh, the word on the breakthrough. Now, automatically, you know, I, I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't know. Do I have, do I? I don't, why do you think that? Why do you? He trusted that I have the word for that night. He believed or he trusted So I do. I will. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. Love always looks for the best. Love never looks back. Love doesn't keep looking back at the past. Saying, this is why I can't trust you. This is why I'm not going to trust you. This is what happened to me back then. That's why I can't trust. Is because of something. Love never looks back. But keeps on going to the end. So Paul's telling us, this is what love does. You want to look like God? Better learn how to trust always. Stop looking back. This is what love does. But if you eliminate trust, you eliminate hope. 
And if you eliminate trust, you eliminate truth. If you eliminate trust, you eliminate faith. If you eliminate perseverance, if you eliminate trust, you eliminate perseverance. You see, if you eliminate trust, you eliminate real love. Agape love, that's God's love. The love that we're supposed to have in us for other people, the love that God had for us is the ultimate highest form of love and it's a love that needs nothing in return. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's not enough good works that you could do to receive this love. It's a love that needs nothing. I can give you this love and need nothing in return. I can give you this love if you spit in my face. I can. It's the love that God gave to us while we were yet sinners. When Christ died for us. When we were sinners. That's real love. That's agape love. If you eliminate trust and you have no trust, then you eliminate agape love. You can't have that kind of love without trust. When love becomes invisible, God becomes invisible. Because God is love. If the world can't look at you and see love, then they can't see God. When you do not choose to trust, you make grace inaccessible. See, we love to talk about grace, but there can be no grace without trust. Can't have grace if we can't figure out how to trust. Why? Because that's works. That's me, yeah, you got to do what I say to do and so we can be okay. The people you trust may not be trustworthy. Or you may not be trustworthy. But love always trusts. So it begins with you. Where's nobody's trustworthy? It starts with you. If you want a world where people can be trusted, then you must be trustworthy. You've got to be somebody that people can trust. You do what you say you're going to do. You can be trustworthy or worthy of trust. You see, we project upon the world what we know about ourselves. And I was going to turn to some scriptures and, and show you that. Like, remember Cain and Abel, and he had hate and murder in his heart when Cain killed Abel. And uh, so he told God, everywhere I go, there people are going to try to kill me and they're going to hate me. Everybody in the world doesn't have hate and anger in their heart. He just projected that on the world because he, that's what he knew about himself. And if you're a cheater, you always think everybody else is going to cheat. If you're a liar, you always feel like everybody else is lying to you. Because we project what's inside of us onto the world around us. 
So if you're having a hard time trusting, first you need to look in the mirror because maybe you're not trustworthy. And so you can't trust anyone else because you know deep down inside that you're not trustworthy. So you project that on everyone else and you think you can't trust anybody. But it's because you've not made the decisions to be a trustworthy person yourself. That's where it starts. See, it all starts in my mind and in me. That I can become a trustworthy person. My question is not, how many people can you trust? Or how many people you got in your life that you can trust? Think about it. That's not my question. My question is, how many people can trust you? Or there are a lot of people that would say, I trust her. I trust him. And not just say it, but that I actually would trust you. Are you trustworthy? How many people can trust you? So what is love without trust? It's broken. What is faith or belief without trust? It's nothing. Faith, hope, and love. You can't have these three without trust. Prove me wrong. Just kidding, not right now. Those little signs people sit at a table and say whatever their opinion is and they say, prove me wrong. They want you to sit down and argue with them. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Don't do it right now. A uh, couple months ago, my phone messed up and not this more recent time where all of you were trying to get in touch with me. A couple months ago, it, I couldn't get it to do anything, and it was because it's been so long since I've updated my operating system. It, was, it had been a really long time, and finally my phone just like shut down. It wouldn't even work. So to get it to work, I had to do two things. I had to connect to power, and I also had to connect to Wi-Fi to update my operating system. A lot of times we come into church or we want to update our operating system. We want to change the way that we operate, change the way that we do things or to make it us function better. Hey, wait, what do I need to do? We hooked to power. That's God. And I had to hook to Wi-Fi. It's like the body of Christ is something way bigger than just my own little service, my own little network. How we have to connect. We have to connect to God and to people. We have to learn to trust. Trust may be the most practical way that you can show grace. The most practical way that you can show somebody grace. The bigger the screw up, the better. For you to extend trust. For you to believe in somebody. You have no idea what that does. The power that that can give somebody is. It's crazy. 
But that can be the most practical way that you show grace. If you do not extend trust, you are a legalist. Look at Exodus 18.13. When people know that you trust them, that is the grace or the power that enables them to be trustworthy. You believe in the future them. You know, when God trusted me to be the pastor of this church, it wasn't because I had proven myself. I actually hadn't. I wasn't even good at it. But God trusted me with a call, and I heard his voice, and I heard the call, and he trusted me with something that I was scared to death of. but because he trusted me with it and because there were people that also trusted me with it. It wasn't because I was good at it. That's for sure. There were some of you sitting in this room that trusted me and you called me your pastor when I wasn't a, like, right? You trusted in what I could be. You trusted God enough to trust what God said about me rather than trust in what I had proven about myself. You trusted God, trusted me, and then God got in there and did something. Love compels trust, and trust expands your universe. It gets bigger and bigger. Your capacity grows. The more you learn to trust, the bigger your world gets. The more you trust, the more you grow. The more you can do, the greater your influence. If you do not learn to trust, then you'll live a small life in a small world because you will only trust what you can control. Just like in a business. If you only trust you, then you can't ever branch out or get too much bigger because you don't trust anybody else to take on responsibility or delegate anything. So it's just going to stay little because you don't trust anybody else. You'll live in a small little world. Can't get bigger than what you can control. Then you'd have to trust somebody else. You know, even Jesus had to trust some dummies. Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and was required to trust flawed, broken humans that would betray Him. Jesus had to trust Thomas and then keep coming back for him because he didn't even believe him. I ain't gave God, I'm going to believe in Him. You hung out with him for three years and watched him doing miracles and all this. And then he died as a sacrifice on the cross. Then you said, I won't believe it unless he shows up and I see a hole actually going through his hand. That's the only way I'm going to believe it. Dang, man. Jesus is like, Dad, I got to trust him? I got to trust Peter? That dude is screwing up every chance he gets. And as soon as I, he denied me three times, he even cussed. Jesus even had to trust people that let him down. He had to trust people that betrayed him. Judas, 
He had to trust people that heard him. Even Jesus. He trusted. Trusted Paul. A murderer. God entrusted Paul to give instructions to the church, to spread the gospel to the world, to be a huge part in building the church. A murderer that didn't believe in Jesus to start with, that that had a thorn, that he couldn't get over some issue, that he couldn't get past, a handicap or a flesh problem. We don't really know. It was just a thorn. God trusted him to do great things. I could go on and on. But the more we learn to trust, the bigger our world can get. Exodus 18, 13. And it came to pass, this is after Moses led all the people out of slavery. All of God's people. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. That's exhausting. Moses had the people standing in front of him all from the morning to the evening, all day, all night. There they were standing, asking him questions and want to know what God said and this and that. Verse 14, And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? What are you doing, dude? Why sittest thou thyself alone? He said, Moses, why are you trying to carry this load? Why are you taking all this responsibility alone? His father-in-law is asking him, what are you doing? And all the people stand by thee from morning to evening. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, because the people come unto me and inquire of God, Because they asked me for help. Well, I can't say no. His father-in-law is like, "What what are you doing, Moses? Verse 16. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. It's not good. What? How dare you tell me it's not good? God called me to lead these people out of here. Uh, I'm their leader. And I'm giving them what they need. His father-in-law said, What you're doing is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away or burn out both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it in thyself alone. God dreams can't be carried alone. God calls you to a vision, to a calling, to a dream, a purpose. You can't carry it by yourself. That's the point. You're forced to trust other people. You're forced to connect to other people. God's plan for your life doesn't just include you. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, 
that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth or trustworthy men, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. He said, some, you need, to, you need to delegate, Moses. You need to find some trustworthy men. You need to find some people that you can trust. And, and he's telling him, there's going to be some of them that you can trust with only about ten. And there are some people in your world that you can trust with a lot. There are some people in your world that you can trust with a thousand. So use some wisdom and know who you can trust and how much you can trust them. But his father-in-law is telling him, you're going to burn out if you don't learn how to delegate. You're going to burn out if you don't learn how to trust somebody else because you're not the only one that can do this, Moses. I've placed people in your world that you can trust. They may not give the same answer that you'd give and they may fail and they may boy, you gotta learn how to trust somebody else. You're gonna burn out, it's not good for you or the people, his father-in-law told him. And let them judge the people in all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. The things that don't really matter, let them take care of it. So shall it be easier for thyself. And they shall bear the burden with thee. You can't bear the, bear the burden alone. I sat last week for several hours with ministry, with some ministry leaders in a close, intimate setting. And we just sat and we ate dinner. And you know what the whole purpose of it was for? Bear each other's burdens. Get real. Talk about what you're having a hard time dealing with. Talk about what you need prayer for. Talk about what you need people to come along beside you and walk along with you. People that are walking in the same place of life, running ministries, doing things like that. And the whole purpose of it was, if I had to just kind of sum it up, would be bear each other's burdens. You can't do it alone. So he did it. Moses listened to his father-in-law. If you look in the next chapter, one verse in the next chapter, chapter 19, verse 9. See, Moses, it, you can go read that chapter, but um, for the time of it. All the people were listening and trusting God and everything. And look what God says to Moses, verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud. I'm about to come to you in a thick cloud. Why? Cool magic trick? No. That the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe. That word believe... It was a Hebrew word. It was translated believe. The word means trust, 
to have confidence, be trustworthy, put trust in, putteth trust, trusted to trust. So this is what God says to Moses. That when I speak with thee and trust thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. The NIV words it like this. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Not in me. I read that and I was like, God, didn't you mean you? Right? Like, that's what we think. That's what we've been taught. Like, hey, so God's going to show up and do this miraculous miracle. And God's, God's like planning it out with Moses. Like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up in a dense cloud. It's going to be all cool. I'm going to roll up in this cloud. And then I'm going to talk to you. But I'm going to make sure I'm talking loud enough so that they can all hear it. And they'll know it's God. What's the purpose of this, God? So that they'll trust you, Moses. Why? I need them to learn to trust. I need my people to learn not just to trust me. They've trusted me to bring them out of Egypt. They've trusted me for some miracles. See, they're learning to trust me, but I need them to learn how to trust leadership. I need them to learn how to trust each other. I need them to learn how to trust people. God wanted the people to trust Moses. I trust God, but not people. God says that's not good enough. See, there's some bad teaching that I've heard. It says you can only trust God. Don't trust a man. Don't follow a man. You can't trust people. Only put your trust in God. God says you got to trust people too. You got to learn how to trust each other. And yeah, sometimes they're going to let you down. But ultimately, your trust is in God. So even if they let you down, He can work it together for good. If you think the whole world is your enemy and no one can be trusted, then you will spend your life fighting battles, looking over your shoulder, wondering who's out to get me next. But if you believe that there is an image of God in every person calling them out to the good, and you're just a voice that calls out the good that God placed on the inside of them, you'll make the world a better place. Trust gives other people a voice. You get what you expect. You ever heard that? You get what you expect. If I don't trust you, I never trust you with anything. I don't expect you to do great things. I don't expect you to earn my trust. You probably never will. But if I trust you, 
you may shock the world. I've been burned. I've been hurt. I've been cheated on. I've been taught not to trust anyone. Trust happens in your mind. It's a decision. It's a pattern. And just like patterns of distrust have been formed, patterns of trust can be formed in your mind. Close in Luke 13. Wrap it up right here and we're done. Luke 13. Look at this miracle that Jesus did. Trust is in your mind. It's patterns. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Thank you, Dr. Luke. Luke was a doctor. And uh, this is the only place in Scripture where someone is described as having a spirit of infirmity. So this woman was there and she had a spirit of infirmity and she had had this thing for 18 years. So it's been a long time. And was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. So the spirit of infirmity had her bent in half. I can't even bend in half. I guess I need to do more yoga. Bent completely in half like she couldn't even lift herself up. Look what happened. Could in no wise lift up herself. Verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed or you are free from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified or worshiped God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and he said unto the people. So he didn't say it to Jesus. He's kind of like passive aggressive. He turns and says to the people. There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed? From this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, he dropped the mic. All his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So she was bowed together, she was bent completely in half. I did some studying and digging on this story, and, and we talked about it before a long time ago, but I found some new stuff and digging in it that um, the scholars and the commentaries say that she was completely bent in half, like all the way with her head all the way down here by her 
by her feet. So all she could see was herself. She was bent over so much so that all she could see was herself. And the funny thing about this story is when you compare it to all the other miracles and all the other things that we have recorded when Jesus healed somebody, the disease wasn't named. It said a spirit of infirmity. So most of the commentaries say it couldn't have been, it wasn't a disease. It wasn't a physical disease like because it wasn't named. So then people would say, okay, then maybe it was a demon. It's a spirit of infirmity and Jesus casted out demons. But this, is the, this would have been the only place that Jesus didn't speak to the demon and tell it to get out. He laid hands on the woman. So it wasn't a disease and it wasn't a demon. When you do some studying and a little more digging into it, a more accurate word or translation of the words that were used there was Greek it would be a weakness or a mental illness she had a mental illness a spirit of infirmity is two Greek words um, the first one is spirit it was translated it's wind breath heart mind the immaterial part of the inner person that can respond to God. Your mind, your spirit, the, your soul, the part of you that responds to God, it can mean all those things. And then infirmity is the word that was translated. It means weakness, illness, infirmity. So most of the scholars believe that she had a mental illness, that it was something going wrong up here in her mind she had a problem and that it probably started as some kind of pain could have been arthritis could have been abuse could have been somebody did something to her that hurt her somebody did something to her that she didn't like nobody knows what the initial cause of it was or the start of it was It was something that she thought over and over and over and over and over until it affected her physically. It began to wear on her and affect her more and more and more and more. This mental weight, this mental handicap, this mental... Until she was so bent over that all she could see was herself. It affected her physically. There's scientific proof of that. You think about something hard enough and long enough, you, it'll start showing up physically. Until all she could see was herself, she couldn't even look up. I can't. I can't stand up straight. Why? There's this pain in my past. Because of it, I can't trust. I can't trust people. Because of a hurt. Because of a pain. Because I've been going over and over and over it. And now in my mind, I can't trust. Oh, what about this one? I can't trust myself. 
because of a mistake I made. I can't trust God because of a hurt or a pain or something that I blamed on Him in the past. We go over it and over it. Patterns. Most theologians agree that it was a disease of the soul, mind, or the emotions. I can't win. I can't put up with it anymore. I can't beat this. I can't get past it. I can't fix my marriage. I can't lead. I can't, whatever. We can all fill in different things. But the weight, gravity is real. I'm not taken away from pain. I'm not taken away from hurts. I'm not taken away from, it's real. There's real pain and there's real hurts. And it's weight. It's gravity. What do we do? We've got to learn to trust. We need to stop adding to the weight of what we're saying over and over and over and over in our minds. What story are you telling? Is it a story of trust? Is it a story of grace? Is it a story of how God walked you through and how He came through for you and a testimony or are you just going over and over your pain? Over and over and over. The first few chapters of your life you couldn't help. But now you're the author. And if that's all you can focus on, and that's all you go over and over, that's all you can speak to yourself, then it'll keep you from looking up. See, she couldn't even look up. She was bent in half. Remember the scripture that says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith or trust. Jesus is the author and the finisher. Your story's not over. He's the author and the finisher. That weight, like gravity, it can pull you down. Hurt and pain, but it can't keep you from looking up. Your mind and your heart, they can keep you from looking up. That can keep you from trusting. She had a mental problem. It wasn't even so much a physical problem. I think as we close, I believe that, that God wanted to do for some people in the room what, what Jesus did for her. And that he's opened up some of our eyes about some areas that we're not trusting. That we're not trusting him. That we're not trusting other people. That we don't trust ourselves. And it's in our mind. And a lot of times it's just things that we've gone over and over and over and over and over. And they started as a pain. And, and it's made us not trust. 
It's made us live small lives. It's made us live guarded. So what did Jesus do? Four things. First, he sees her. A story we just read. Jesus saw her. She didn't even see him. She was bowed over. All she could see was herself. And I believe some people in the room today, all you could see was you. But you need to know that Jesus sees you. He sees you. You ever felt like that? God, do you even see me? Do you even know what I'm going through? That's a horrible feeling. I had a guy come up to me at the Blake house that, you know how you've already met somebody a couple times, so you would feel pretty bad to ask them what their name is because you should know it. And he came up to me at Walmart and said, Hey, Dusty. I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> like, mm. Like, you should know it. He knows your name. He sees you. Then what'd he do? He called her. He's calling you today. Calling you to freedom. Healing. He's calling you to trust again. Your truster has been broken. He wants to heal it today. He sees her. He calls her. He speaks to her. I believe if your ears are open and if you're listening by the Spirit, He's speaking to you today. Through this message, He will speak to you. God's always talking. Have you made his voice a priority? Are you listening to what he has to say? And the last thing, he put his hands on her. He touched her. He speaks truth. He said, you are free. You don't have to be where you are. People say, what's it like to follow Jesus? I hear my yoke is easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And there have been times I think, what? It's not easy. This following God thing's hard. What are they talking about? Now in my old age, I've got some more wisdom. He said, take my yoke. If it's hard... It's you trying to do it. If it's too hard for you to handle, it's you trying to do it rather than trusting. Than trusting Him. First Peter says, cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Not worry. Worry is the opposite of trust. I keep worrying and worrying and playing something over and over in my head and worrying and worrying and I just won't let it go. It's because I don't trust. I don't trust God. I don't trust people that they're going to help me out. I don't, I'm just worrying and worrying. Worry's okay. Worry's there to make you get up and take action and then cast it on Him and let it go. You can't just keep playing it, playing it. 
because that's not trust. He touches her and she glorified God or she began to worship. What is that? She changed her story. She changed what she was saying. She changed what she was playing over and over in her mind. She was glorifying God or worshiping God rather than going over and over her her pain, her mental illness, her, her now handicap, the fact that she could only see herself. She, she changed. She started repeating a new story. Then I like how the leader of the synagogue goes, oh, you only work on six days, you can't heal her. And then Jesus, see, grace overrides the rules. Grace is calling you today, calling you to trust, calling you to receive some grace for yourself receive some trust and some grace for yourself and calling you to extend some grace to somebody else that might not deserve your trust. Grace is calling you today. Can you hear him? He says, change your story. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. I know there's been pain. I was with you. Come to me. Look up. Live life. Get rid of anything that keeps you from truth. You can trust me. And I trust you. Let's pray. God, we trust you. God, we thank you for trusting us. Help us to trust each other. We don't want to live little small lives. Selfish and controlled. Live in legalism. We want to walk in real love and hope and grace. We want to be able to let worry go and trust you. Surround us with people that will help carry our burdens and that will make decisions to become trustworthy and to show you to the world, to be good mirrors of you. We love you, Dad. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.